Welcome, everyone. This is Jim Sirk with the Medical Sales Nation. This podcast that you're about to listen to is titled Finding a Culture That Fits Your Personality and Your Why. This originated because Charlie and I will get you know phone calls from our peers, our friends, telling us that they're looking for a new job and asking us for advice or opinion on you know the company and or what they're thinking. And usually what I do is I ask why. Why are you looking for a change? And most of the time the answer comes back. They don't say this, but this is what we think is I've evolved past the current role that I'm in and I need a new challenge and I need something new. I need something that fits who I am today. And so that dives into culture, meaning who you are today, you have to find that cultural fit. So we give a few ideas on how to find out what that culture is at a company while you're going through the interview process, how you can ask about the compensation program, how that will predict the culture at the company, what kind of sales training program they have. That'll tell you a lot about the culture at the company and making sure that you're asking everyone about culture that you encounter through this interview process because you want to make sure that everybody's on the same page. So Charlie and I go back and forth. We banter like we always do as, as if we're at a bar having a drink on sales and sales management. I hope you enjoy this and get something out of it. Thanks again, and here we go. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Medical Sales Nation. This is Jim Surick. And Charlie Johnson. How you doing, Uncle Charlie? Doing well, Jimmy. Good. Another good. day, another dollar. That's right. That's how you got to look at it. Never give up. Keep moving. Yep. So <laughs> um, Charlie and I were talking a little bit about uh, reps, sales managers, leaders that are looking or potentially looking for new opportunities. And the reason this comes up is because we have you know, a pretty wide network of people based on our 58 years of experience doing this. And um, always comes up where everyone's asking me, should I look for a new job? What should I do? And what Charlie and I really realized is that what they're asking about is the culture of the company a fit for me and where I am in my life and my personality. And it's not always about pay. It's not um, about uh, necessarily um, any specific issue. It's, it's really a, the, the individual is asking themselves a question, have I evolved past where I am with this company or what I want out of life, what my why is, has evolved? And so we thought we'd spend a little time so that you can potentially learn something from our experiences and understanding how culture of a corporation should also help dictate what you're looking for in this new opportunity or what you want out of your out of your life. And Charlie, you've done a lot of work obviously in with a, a lot of different companies and this always comes up. And what do you think is the most important piece that uh, reps, sales managers, VPs of sales should be asking themselves when they're looking for that cultural fit for their personality? Well, that's a good question, Jim, and I think what we often find in a job that we we've reached a dead end. There's something that's just not right. Uh, either we are not promotable, or we're getting messaging that people or uh, people in the upper management are not happy with our performance. And it's when you discover that it really is probably time to make a change. When you're going to make a change, though, 
the fit between now culture is a is a collective personality of a company and now you have an individual personality so what we want to make sure is that your personality fits in that collective personality or culture and in identifying who you are you know i've spent most of my life um, taking quite a few personality tests uh trying to understand what what makes up charlie johnson and what are his success factors what are some of the things i need to avoid what's the right kind of place for me to work in order to do that I got to know who I am before I find the right culture. Sure. So by to define your personality, there are many, many uh, tests that you can do online. And if you go to our website, we have a listing and uh, links to a number of those. And what it's going to tell you is something about who you are really in at work. Um, a lot of times when you take a personality test, you have to take it either in my personal life or my work life. And you don't want to. And so, and we are different between those two things. Very many of us are different personally than we are professionally. And a lot of people don't want to know professionally what I am personally, right? <laughs> that's I mean, right. That's, and I think that fits a lot of people. So anyway, it's not about privacy. It's about understanding that you have a work personality and trying to define it. One of the things I found in the early stages of my professional life, after I got into medical sales, which was always a goal for mine, and the question was, should I stay where I am or should I go to another company? So Jim, one of the ways that I started to examine my personality is through taking a test called the Myers-Briggs. It's one of the most probably scholarly uh, personality test that has been used all over the world and actually identifies 16 different personality types. Now, from a sales standpoint, trying to learn 16 different personalities, pretty hard, difficult, if you, if you may say. There are other personality tests that define you by a color. There are other crazy personality tests that look at you as an animal. Uh, some people are even asked questions on an interview. If you were an animal, what would you be? which I'm glad no one ever asked me that because they wouldn't have gotten the answer they wanted, I can promise you. Right. But the real thing is you really want to know from whatever every personality test you take as to who you are so that you can begin to define where you will fit best. In Myers-Briggs, you're going to take a test that's going to define the first letter is an E or an I, and it means extrovert or introvert. Now, it doesn't only mean whether you're uh, a chatty Kathy or you stand up at parties that make friends. What it really means is where do you get your energy from? Does it come from inside you or do you get it from being around other people? Very, very different type of work personality. The second one uh, is uh, in intuition, intuition uh, or sensing. Are you, do you get your information through your in, in, uh are you intuitive about things and people or do you have to sense things about other people? The next aspect of the personality is, are you a thinker or a feeler? People who are high in feeling can feel things around them that change or can feel things when they're talking to other people because they're more emotionally, more emotionally attached. Whereas a thinker, will say, I think, I think this is the way to go. And a feeler might say, I feel this is the right decision. The final thing is whether you're a J uh, or a P, 
a J is a judger, but what it really means is that you like to start and finish your projects and your job. When you're a P, it says that's a perceiver. The problem with perceivers, and I'm one, I work is fun to me. I, I start something, I don't want to stop. So I have a lot of times, I start a lot of projects, but I don't finish all of them. And that can be very frustrating for other people around me. Now, Jim, after hearing all that, can you see some aspects of your personality that fit into those quadrants? Yeah, of course. So, you know, I'm big on the the intuition piece, right, and the feeling piece and using my gut and 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 sensing an environment that's about to change or a marketplace that's about to change because a, a lot of times if we're, uh, whether in the sales management role, even if you're in a sales role, you have to hear what your doctors are saying, but what is the meaning behind the words that they're saying? And it's not explicit. So you have to feel it. You have to, you have to sense it. Um, the other piece, uh, you know, of that is when we tie it back to a culture, when we're talking about a culture, is that what type of company are you going into, right? That that's going to allow you to have those enhanced skill sets. Because if you're somebody that is you know that that judger and you're going to start and finish that's really probably a capital sales right you're going to sell you're going to start a process you're going to finish it you're going to move on but like with you charlie you're saying that you're from that perception piece where work is funny you want it to continue that's that disposable sale right that ongoing relationship that continues to evolve gets more exciting as the relationship evolves versus that one-time transactional sale Neither one is right or wrong. It just, it goes back to that personality that you have and what fits for you and the culture behind it. Absolutely, Jimmy. And I think you nailed it better than Myers-Briggs on my personality. (laughs) (laughs) Personality assessment by Jim Surick. That's right. Jim, when we talk about, now if we understand our personality, now we want to look at the personality of the company or the culture. And you've had a lot of, you know, four or five VP of sales experiences with five different companies. Can you give us a little of a sense of what you've learned from different corporate cultures? Yeah, you know, so it, it's, I'll tell you this, they all start off differently and they all evolve similarly, if I said that right. So is when you were, when I started off at, just at sophomore Danic, that environment was a, you know, for lack of a better term, a wild, wild west cowboy environment. And most of it was being driven by the marketplace because at the time we were selling pedicle screws and pedicle screws were off label. So you could not sell a screw for the pedicle spine, yet 99% of screws went into the pedicle, right? It was a sacroiliac screw that you were supposed to sell. Just the nature of wink, wink, don't sell pedicle screws, you're selling SI joint screws, creates a cowboy culture. Because you're saying you're going to cross the line, you're going to cross a gray line here to try to get these put into the into the pedicle. Um, and that attracts a certain type of person. And that, and that person that it attracts is somebody who is really a feeler, you know, who has that high sense of intuition on how to make things happen that's also driven by the way in which you're paid. So 
at sophomore Danic, it was a high, high. Well, it wasn't high variable comp. It was a hundred percent variable comp. There was no base pay, and so you ate what you killed. And the only people that really were attracted to that, I shouldn't say that. That's not true. The people that were really good at it and thrived in it were those people who were un, were very comfortable knowing that the sky's the limit. There were people who thought they were attracted to it because the sky was the limit when it came to income, but when they got into it, they found out it was a little bit harder than they thought, and they became very uncomfortable because there was no base pay, and they left the organization or weren't successful or weren't as successful as others based on that type of culture that that existed. Then on top of that, it was a culture in which there wasn't a lot of training. There was a lot of product training, but there wasn't a lot of sales training. And so, and those are two completely different things because it was really, hey, we're going to bring you into Memphis for two weeks. We're going to show you all our um, spinal implant products. We're going to kind of do some role plays with you, um, but we're going to throw you out there and pat you on the back and say, good luck and hope you make it. And that was it. And you really, you had, you worked for a distributor at the time and um, you were, you were just set out there to run. And like I said, that was a different type of culture. It finally evolved and you were a part of that evolution of becoming more sales and training focused, more of management training focus and the development of skill sets. But there's reasons behind that as well. Why did that evolve? And we, God, we could talk about this on another podcast because of competition, right? right competition right. changed the marketplace. So you couldn't be the wild, wild west. You had to develop your people to be able to deal with the competitive threats coming. So, right. Right. So, and, and Jimmy, you grew up, you grew up in that kind of, kind of culture. And yet when you went to uh, advanced bionics, you had an opportunity to create a culture. Correct. And I think it's interesting when we've talked about what you came into and what you created well, from a cultural standpoint. Yeah, you know, we still, I mean, what we did is we obviously, we, we provided a base pay that you could pay your mortgage, pay your car payment, but you weren't going to make a ton of money on. You had to go out there and sell. So there was a high commission rate. So it was a high performance rate. And there were reps that, you know, that came in that were able to go from making $60,000 a year and 12, 18 months later, they're making three, four, five hundred thousand dollars $500,000 in that culture. So it was a supportive culture. Okay, so this is a hybrid. This was a very supportive culture in the sense, supportive in the sense of we're going to give you unbelievable product training from our engineering team. I mean, we did mock cases. The engineering team would make the implantable neurostimulation device fail. The rep had to, on the spot, figure out what was wrong to get through the case. Okay, and you had to know it. We went through a mini electrical engineering programs to get the reps fluent and proficient in being able to describe the technology. But at the same time, we probably spent what seventy percent, Charlie, you when we created it on sales training. So yes. it was 30%. This is the product. Learn the product. We're going to send you through the clinical mock cases. You're either going to know it or you're not. I mean, there's no, you're either going to study and understand it or you're not. There's not a lot I could do about that. From the sales training spot per perspective, we were able to develop and coach and provide 
opportunity for people to be successful because of their selling skills. Then we had the management team coaching and developing people in the field. And, but at the same time, the pressure was incredibly high. Why? Because we're working for a guy like Al Mann who's saying, Jim, I want to be the number one, you know, neuromodulation company in the next six years. So make it happen. And we were, we obviously got acquired by Boston Scientific in three years after we got it to 200 million in sales and took that market by, by storm. And it was, the technology was great. Jeff Greiner, great leadership from Jeff as the president, co-CEO of the company and our sales training environment. So high, high pressure, but a lot of support there to get you going. And if you couldn't do it, you know, unfortunately you were, you were, taken out of the organization because we knew we had a winning combination. So, right. So I think people took themselves out, Jim. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Because they, again, they didn't fit the culture. Now I don't mean to rush you, but then, then we went to um, the cochlear implant business where you engaged in another culture and we had to make another culture change. You want to talk about that? (laughs) Well, that that's, so this goes back to, so uh, also on the way in which, People are paid in the expectation of that pay and and their personality. So the cochlear implant business, first off, is probably one of the most miraculous devices that exist in the medical field. Being able to um, give hearing back to the deaf is truly remarkable. I saw it with little kids. So, I mean, babies and, and went to the, some of the deaf schools that are out there with these kids that were implanted with this device when they were babies and now they're five and you could not tell they had a cochlear device. So I want to give all the credit to the folks that wrapped their lives around this this product and the mission that they're on because it is it is incredible. But that mission isn't to sell as many cochlear devices as you can. The mission is to provide the best hearing for the patient choosing what they believe is the best product for themselves. And whatever decision is made, the culture of cochlear implants and advanced bionics was they made the right decision for themselves. Right. And right. Jim, so let's, let's get, before we go to the next one, let's kind of summarize a little bit. So you started your medical sales career with the, the, the industry giant or the first to market people. Uh, that had a dominant position in the marketplace, right? Right. And then you went to uh, Advanced Bionics where there were already two established uh, companies in that business. And you came in as a competitor and yet you led that sales force to take a third of that market in a qu- pretty quick Yeah, about three years. About three years. Yeah. yeah. So that was an incredible uh, opportunity. Then you went to a very supportive uh culture of uh it's more mission driven culture where people sold and and worked in the technology because they were audiologists who had spent their life with the, with people who were hard of hearing or deaf yeah they were not i mean they were not salespeople and they did not want to be considered salespeople and the word you you and i got uh, an earful is when we came in to kind of redirect the sales and marketing messaging into the field, we got an earful of, please don't call us salespeople and leave sales out of it. So we had to create a sales training and development program without the word sales. (laughs) That's what we did, right? And we had to embrace, we had to embrace their why, not our why, not Jeff Greiner's why, right? Their why and why they were doing what they were doing. And 
morph it into a way to be able to get them to more clearly articulate the benefits of the product and the services that Advanced Bionics Cochlear could offer their patients. Right. And and that was a challenge. I mean, we were, I mean, not to get into what we did too much, but that was a culture in which we went into that we, you and I, had to change our internal why to be able to be successful with that. Absolutely, right? Jim. They were, they were not going to change for us. So we had to change for them to help them become successful. Now, taking that back is a, a sales rep from sophomore Danic was not going to succeed in that environment, right? No, no. Or someone from... The uh, advanced bionics, uh, spinal uh, stimulation business, yeah. Spinal stimulation, yeah. sorry, that's too many S's together. <laughs> Jim, then then you went to another culture where the company's second in the market, but they had launched the product and had already failed on their initial launch. And you were brought in, uh, and actually we were interviewed at the same time. Right. And they brought you in uh, and me in as a consultant to like turn this around, to uh, relaunch the technology. And really, you drove that business to a point where you were uh, really not only second in the market, but you changed your market uh, kind of culture so that you moved sinus surgery out of the operating room and into the office. Yeah. So, I mean, so let's, let's, let's take a step back for, for this one and compare them to sophomore Danic and advanced bionics pain management because advanced bionics cochlear is, is a, a gem on a shelf by itself is that the, the culture that you're, you're going into. So if you're a sales rep and you're at the time interviewing with advanced bionics, I'm sorry, and tell us and compared to where you're at today for the people listening to this is that we were not offering three, $400,000 opportunities. We were offering a fairly high base pay with a, with a comparable, you know, variable pay. So I think at plan was like 170. Okay. And, and which is still a good living, but it's not 300 grand, right? It's not 400 grand. So the culture there, when people were interviewing and what we were building there is that we had to realize that Intellis, or I had to realize and say, listen, I am not going to get the best of the best because my pay is not there. I was highly criticized because I wasn't willing to pay um, $300,000 and guarantee medical device sales reps $300,000 because their past history showed that they're worth it. It wasn't about them. It was about the company and the culture that this company wanted to create was be a part of a family. Be a part of an organization that's going to create a new marketplace. Be a part of something where you can grow professionally from a skill set perspective. Grow professionally because we're going to promote from within. Grow with us because our why is more about what we're going to do for each other in this community than it is about an individual making a lot of money. Now, that is a completely different culture. So there were people that were coming after about a year, then two years, who were very successful medical device folks that wanted to come because they were hearing about not only the success we were having in the marketplace, but because of the culture we had was family. Now, I'm not there anymore. You're not there anymore. I still get calls almost weekly from people who are telling me that 
The company has changed. It's evolved. It's not what it was. And they don't like this, this, or that. But they still like the family feel of it. Right. Right? And so so that was the culture that Tom Ressman, Peter Keith wanted to create. And that's what we did within the sales organization. And what we did is we created that learning organization. Okay, We were going to learn from each other as one family as we went through this market, taking on, again, Johnson & Johnson. Right. Right? So you, your personality, Jim, has been able to fit, not only fit into cultures, but help change cultures. And one of the things that we've talked about, I think is very, very important for the people listening, and what we kind of promised is, how do you ask questions to define the culture of a company you're thinking about going to during the interview process or even during your research process? You know, that's, that's the best question because just like we were talking about earlier is that we, we got on this topic because we're constantly getting phone calls from people, our contacts in the field saying they want to look for a new job. And the question is, I always ask them is, well, why do you want to do that? And, and if it's, well, because, you know, they cut my pay and I'm not going to make as much money. So what your why is, is to make as much money as possible. Correct. Okay. So when you go into looking for that new job, these are the questions you want to ask. You want to ask, what is the variable pay and what's the base pay? Because if the base pay is high, like at Intellis, and the variable is, you know, it's, it's a 50-50% comp, you're going to make a buck fifty in variable comp, That that's telling you that the culture there is probably not a fit for you because they're expecting you to be part of a larger group to enhance the entire organization, not just your income by yourself. While there are people making still $300,000 at Intellis, that's not the norm. At Advanced right. Bionics, at Sophomore Danic, that was the norm, right? right. So completely different. The, the It was abnormally high to make three hundred grand at Intellis. So if... So knowing and asking those questions about base pay and variable pay is going to tell you what kind of culture you're probably walking into. And if you're really all about the money and that's what you're, that's the company you're going into, you're going to be unhappy within 12 months. Well, I think that that leads to the right series of questions. And there's one other thing I think we should consider. The first question I would ask on an interview is, can you define your culture to me? Now, I would ask that to every person you interview with. The one thing you want to find is that, first of all, is it a culture that's comfortable to you? And does everybody in the, in the company see the culture the same way? Yeah, that's true. If, you're in a, if you go to a company where the culture is defined differently by everyone you meet, that is a, I don't think I would even take a job, no matter what they paid. Because the, company, people, the people in the company don't know who they are. No, that's absolutely now, true. You know, the second question, I think you define, well, what, what is, what's the, what's your base and what's your variable pay? And if you're looking at a, you know, a 75% base with 25% variable, that's probably a, a less uh, risk, a lower risk environment. Absolutely. If it's the other way, 25%, 75% variable, that's a higher risk opportunity. So you have to examine your own uh, your own tolerance for risk. And as I've always believed, and I have used this to seek out opportunities my entire life, the higher the risk, the greater the reward. But 
high risk situations are not good for everybody. That's right. And <laughs> and even you say I can be risky when I'm young, but not when I'm older. Well, let me tell you, I already had a family and I needed more money. So I was willing to take a high risk in order to achieve that opportunity. So you can't even say there's a there's a correlation on age, family or anything else to, to tell if you're a high risk person or not. Well, so and you know what? A lot of people who look like they're not high risk really are. And that's the thing I think I surprised the people at at surgical when they hired me because they looked at me and said, well, there's a leftover hippie from the 60s. <laughs> and then I went in there and I, you know, I tried to, you know, I, I hunted yeah, <laughs> and, 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 and shot my kills and succeeded. Yeah. And then was able to develop professionally. The last question is from what's the culture? How do you pay people is what Jim? The training and development programs they have, personal development programs. Absolutely. Can you go into more so, uh, depth on that? Yeah. So what you have is that if you walk in and you ask, well, let's go. I'll, I'll relate it back to Advanced Bionics, the pain management business, is that when I first got there and you talk about cultural change, it was really all about the technology, right? They were going to hire two regional sales managers and 25 clinical engineers, and that's how they were going to launch the product because the product was too technically difficult for a sales rep to sell. Okay, so I got there and said, no, 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 no. Sales reps are smarter than you think. They can do they can do anything, right? We, you teach us how to do this. You teach us what the sales process is. We can make it happen. And what we ended up doing was changing that environment and bringing in sales training, right? And that training piece told you that we cared about you professionally. We wanted you to develop. We were going to promote from within high level of um, accountability, high income rewards. And tell us, we wrapped ourselves around that professional development piece again and promoted from within and made training a big, big deal. So what that's telling people is we care about you personally and professionally, but you're probably not going to make as much money here as I stated before. But that, but then you'll understand something is that we know the product isn't going to sell itself. We know that we have to develop your skill sets. So whether you take them with, the, with us today and it takes, you can take that with you on your next journey to your new job, that's fine. But our culture is telling you that we care about you as a person. We're going to develop you. We're probably just not going to pay you as much. So, and big companies like Johnson & Johnson have these incredible training and development programs. But, you know, I, I don't want to speak as this is uh, gospel truth, but a lot of their divisions don't pay a lot of money, but you have career advancement, you have career development, you have a lot of professional development, and there's a lot of people that are attracted to that, right? And it's either well, right or wrong. Well, it also means it's, high, it's usually highly political as well. Well, absolutely, 100%. I mean, so if you, want, if you want security, but you don't want politics, or you want to make a lot of money and you like politics, you're going to have... You're going to really have to work your way around to see the right kind of fit for you. Absolutely. And these are, I mean, those are things where you, once again, have to be self-reflective. I want to tell a story when I was at Intellis. I think this was about August of last year. We had a, a manager we were trying to recruit up in the Northeast. And we had a couple final candidates. And this one candidate asked about base pay, his base pay and the variable pay. Our base pay was actually $10,000 less than where he was. But the variable comp plan 
put him twenty, twenty-five thousand dollars ahead of where he was. He could not make the decision to come to and tell us because the ten thousand dollar in base pay. That's right. That's eight hundred dollars a month. I know. Right? It, it's sad, Jimmy. People are. It's sad that they can't see the opportunity. Well, it's part of their personality. Well, that's it. But that's it, Charlie. It's it's to you and I. We're like, are you kidding me? The people listening to this, they're laughing now, going eight hundred bucks a month. But I'm going to make an extra twenty five just at plan and over plan. I'm going to make another fifty. Who cares about the eight hundred bucks? But that's our personality. It's right. either right or wrong. He made the right decision not to come to and tell us because he would have failed because he would have been worried about eight hundred dollars a month. He right. wasn't thinking about the fifty he could make. He was worried about the eight hundred. And and what ends up happening is that and this if this is you are out there, this is not right or wrong. I'm not criticizing or critiquing. But if you get hung up on those little issues, the risk of the job that you're taking isn't worth the pain you're going to cause yourself and your family. And Jimmy, that's you know what? That's twenty five dollars a day. Right. <laughs> right. But people throw away. Hey, I thought of one other important thing to think about. And I, I think this was very germane about the experience that Intellis. If a company tells you they want specific industry experience, i.e. you're selling a product to a, a certain subspecialty like an ENT or a uh, general surgeon or an orthopedic surgeon, if they don't want people from who come from outside of that in, of that experience base, I think that's a big red flag too. I, I think. That well, why do you think that? I, I'm not disagreeing with you. I just want to. I want to dive deeper into your thought process. What makes you say that? Well, be careful. You better put on a life preserver. <laughs> when, <laughs> when you, when you, we only got about ten more minutes, Charlie. So. Oh, I'm no, joking. I'm joking. Time can go. Hey, so we discovered this at Intellis, right? When, when Tom Restman started the company. He was going to be in the ENT space. He hired a VP of sales from the ENT space, and he hired all of his former friends and employees in the ENT space. They didn't have, when a company only has that posture around them, it lacks the opportunity for creativity from learning from other people, taking other strengths from other organizations and industries and bringing it into yours. I think companies that embrace sales success as the number one criteria, not are you have you have been successful in our industry, because to me that means do you have relationships with customers from your previous jobs that you can flip over to us when you go out in the field? Yeah. And to me, customers don't flip with salespeople. Their loyalty to the salesperson is way overrated by the salesperson. And there's loyalty to, to the company is way under realized by the sales rep. Well, so, so think so, you're close, yeah, but they don't go with you. Yeah, so I know that there's a bunch of sales reps listening to this right now, rolling their eyes, going, "That's not true." Um, but there, there is a there's a lot of truth behind it because the nowadays hospitals have relationships with companies. Purchasing has relationship with companies. The doctor has multiple relationships with multiple companies. And the sales rep is just part of that equation to make that decision. But it really comes down to 
when a company hires and you you come in, I don't care if if you're in the ENT business and you hire people from ENT business and then you hire other people from the ENT business, really what that's telling you is that not only you're hoping that the relationships flip themselves, but you're you're let's say you're you're in a company and you're in the cardiac space, but you're going to hire people from the pulmonary side and everybody that comes is on the pulmonary side of the business, you just hired the same group mentality. You've got to diversify your talents. Like we talked about a little earlier, I need people around me that are different than me and come from different experiences because as you have these different per- different perspectives on situations, it enhances your ability to make a decision because you're getting multiple inputs from multiple different personalities versus, well, we've all seen this the same way for so many years. We know this is what to do. That doesn't necessarily translate into a good decision as we're, as the medical field, medical device field is continuing to evolve. But that from a cultural perspective, what does that tell you if the entire sales management team and first round of sales employees came from the same company or have worked together at the same place for two companies, you're walking into a culture that you're probably not going to fit in because you're not going to be able to break through that uh, tribe mentality. Well, Jimmy, again, I, you're right. People are going to disagree with that. I think it depends on who you are as a person. Do you like do you like diversity in experience? Do you like to be around people that are like you and do what you do every day? Or do you enjoy the opportunity to be around people who have come from a different environment, who understand certain things in a different way that can really increase your knowledge base? I think both you and I have been that way in our professional life. So it's easy for us to see how it works well. I find that uh, as, as, as medical sales moves forward with the, all the changes and how uh, insurance companies are going to pay, how accountable care organizations are going to require of their vendors, that staying with the same industry um, can often lead to a dead end because some industries just go away. They disappear. Uh, I remember before we came out with the, uh, the lap coli, the gallbladder, a laparoscopic gallbladder procedure, hospitals spent big money on these gigantic, gigantic lithotripsy machines, right? That would take up an entire room. And those machines were built to break up gallstones. All of a sudden, we developed a way to take the gallbladder out with, you know, four puncture wounds in your abdomen. And those lithotripsies became a big collector of dust. And in fact, one time, Jim, to, give, to show you how big this problem is for hospitals, I was at Buffalo General and we were talking to the materials manager and he talked about how many products they had bought over the years because a surgeon wanted to try what he called was a new toy. And he took us into a room that was the size of half a football field, a warehouse, half a football field, full of metal instruments that were used once or twice and never used again. So you can understand why hospitals have tight hospitals practices have tightened their grip on what they're allow what they're allowing 
the their physicians to ask for and actually buy. And they've done that by making them a partner to the bottom line of the of the institution. That's another topic for another time. But I think, Jim, we hopefully we've covered this for you all out there. And if you're looking to make a change, you know, we'd love to have you uh, email us uh, and, you know, maybe send us your resume because that might be something we can uh, ultimately help you with. But anyhow, Jim, you want to close us down today? Yeah. So what I was what I was saying is that from um, from that last point and what you were making is that be as a sales rep, a sales manager out there, be, be very, very open to looking at outside the current specialty that you're in because it will only enhance your ability to grow. Look for those companies that recognize the change in the healthcare field because they're going to have to develop you and your skill sets because for them to be successful, you need to be successful. So look for that balance and look for that personality fit as we discussed. If it's really just about the money right now and that's where you're at in your life, go for it. If you want, um, and then make sure you're asking the right questions. Base pay and variable pay no cap and ask about the training program to see, find a nice balance there. If it's really just about, and not just about, but it's about, you know, making a good income, having the ability to overachieve, but really looking for that professional development, same thing. Ask the questions, variable pay, base pay. Tell me about your training. Is it technologically based and very little sales training? They think the product's going to sell itself. Never seen that happen, but some companies believe in it. And then if the training program is technical with a balance with a high level of sales development, you probably got a winner there and it's probably going to fit your personality for continued growth in the, in the medical device field. So, or whether that's device, biologics, pharma, it doesn't matter. Ask those questions because it'll more fit your personality and what your why is today and realize five years from now that why might change and that's okay. Right. So every Every time, Jim. Every five years, maybe. <laughs> yeah. So with that, we're just going to let everybody go. And thank you so much to listening to the Medical Sales Nation. Come visit us on the net. Send us your resume. We're looking for people to interview, to talk to. Yeah. If you're a President's Club winner, please highlight that. Tell me where you think your success lied. And we're going to gather this information and then create podcasts around it. We're going to probably reach out some of you to, to really find those gems that are out there and interview on the podcast to find out what's making you successful. And I know other people are going to enjoy it. So thank you, Charlie. Join the nation. Join the nation. Thanks, guys. See you next time. Bye-bye.